Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Johnny, Bob Hall at Plymouth. We've got a bad thing down here. Oh, what's that? One of our company investigators has been killed. I think you knew him, Gene Reimer. Gene Reimer is dead. Yeah, shot to death. We learned of it this morning. Sent him down to Charleston to look into a murder. Does his wife know yet? She was with him. I mean, she went to Charleston with him. We want to put somebody right on it, Johnny. That's why I called. Uh, Oh, sure, Bob. I'll... I'll come right over and get the rest of the story from you. Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense accounts, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Plymouth Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Leland Blackburn matter. Expense account item 1250, cab fare from my apartment to the Plymouth building. Hey, Johnny. Yeah? Oh, hi, Merle. What are you doing down here? The Gene Reimer shooting. I wondered if it heard. He talked a lot about you. You were good friends. We learned the business together in the Pinkerton Agency. Almost opened our own office. It didn't pan out. I wish it had. We're going to miss him around here. He was a great guy. Yeah. When Bob Hall's waiting for me, Merle, I'd better get in there. Sure. Good luck, Johnny. Oh, hello, Mr. Dollar. He's waiting for you. You can go right in. Thanks. How are you, Bob? Thanks for coming right over, Johnny. Wouldn't have blamed you if you turned it down. Forget it. I feel pretty awful about it. I gave the case to Gene myself. He wasn't up for one, but there would have been some extra money for him. I knew he needed it. He didn't have to take the case. He didn't have to earn a living this way. 
a funny thing for you to say. Well, there's no other way to look at it. You can't hunt trouble forever without finally running into some. I got the idea that you were his friend. I was. But you aren't hiring a friend, Bob. You're hiring an investigator. If you want me to go to work on this, I'd better get some facts. I don't understand you. What about the case he was on? You said it was murder? A policyholder named Leland Blackburn was bludgeoned to death in his home. How long had Gene been on it? Less than a week. Five days. Had he sent in any report on what he'd learned? No, he hadn't. Is that all? That's all I know. He was staying at the Hotel Lee. His wife is still there. As I said, she'd been with him. I suggest you talk to her first. I will. I'll leave as soon as I can get plane space. All right, John. Good luck. Expense account item two, eighty-five dollars transportation between Hartford and the Hotel Lee in Charleston. It was 8.30 p.m. by the time I checked in, and my first move was to the phone. Yes? This is Johnny, Barbara. Johnny? Where are you? The floor above you. The Plymouth Company sent me down to look into Jean's death. Oh, I'm glad you're here, Johnny. When will I see you? As soon as possible. Well, give me just 15 minutes to put a face on it. Come on down. tell you what a shock it was to hear your voice on the phone. I, I've been thinking about you. Oh? Well, it was natural, too. You've been the only one I turned to when there was trouble. How did the company happen to send you? Because I knew Jean, I guess. Was anything said about us? There was no reason for that. Everything between you and me stopped when you got married. We'd better keep it that way now. Sure. It was a beautiful marriage all the way around. I told you it would be. You remember that? Yes. If there was a side of Gene Reimer that hardly anybody knew, you didn't believe me. I learned to. And you made some pretty serious statements to me after you did. I want to get that off my chest before we go any farther. I don't know how many times you told me that you were afraid you were going to kill him for what he'd done to you. And you meant it, didn't you? Johnny. The last time was less than a month ago. You don't think I killed him? I remember what you said. Johnny, don't. Why did you come to Charleston with him? Because he made me come. Why? Because he... I don't want to tell you. Why not? It doesn't have anything to do with what happened. Then you shouldn't mind telling me. He found out about somebody I'd been seeing in Hartford. I know it sounds cheap, but you must realize... Never mind that. Jean brought you down here to keep you away from this guy. Yes. Johnny, you can't think I killed him. I hope you didn't. For old times' sake, I'd hate to learn that you did. They were good times, Johnny. What do you know about the case Gene was working on? Nothing. He never talked about any of them. Well, I'll start on it tomorrow. Good night, Barbara. Expense count item three, two dollars cab fare the next morning to police headquarters where I met Lieutenant Sims, the officer in charge of both killings. Well, looks to me like they piled a load of work on your shoulders, Dollar. You signed to both murders? Chances are that they go together, don't you think? Hard to figure that far yet. Well, what have you got on this Leland Blackburn? The file isn't complete on him. The widow and son refused to authorize an autopsy. Took a few days to force it through, so we got no report. Who was he? An old codger, a pillar of the old South, so to speak. He was a broker, him and his son Rollin, pretty wealthy folks. 
What do you think was the motive? Well, we're thinking it was robbery. Nobody knows how much, but old Leland's wallet was empty when they found it. He just told the phone operator he wanted the police when he was hit. The phone was still in his hand. Well, I'll have to go and talk to the family. Help yourself. Now, this other Hartford man, a likable kind of fellow, you know him? Yeah, I, I knew Gene for quite a few years. Makes it bad when it's a friend, don't it? Well, it doesn't help. Do you have anything on his death? No, absolutely nothing. He was shot three times at close range with a thirty-two caliber gun. All three slugs went through him and smashed up on a brick wall behind him. Spoiled him for ballistics. Where did it happen? In an alley off Magazine Street. And that's why we can't figure any connection between that shooting and the Blackburn killing. You know this town? No. Why, no Blackburn had set foot in that Magazine Street section. They'd live at the other end of the town, south of Broad Street. That's a whole lot closer to heaven, I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Lieutenant. Looks like I've got a lot of cold trail to follow, so I'd better get moving. Later that day, after checking by phone to learn when the son would be home, I went to the Blackburn residence. It was a warm, friendly estate glowing with southern tradition. The same thing could have been said about the widow, Mrs. Blackburn. But son Rollin must have taken after his father. What I resent most of all is that you are here simply because you suspect either mother of me or both of us of nefarious plot. Now, Rollin. Isn't that right? Murder is a hard thing to ignore, Mr. Blackburn. I am not ignoring it, but I believe our local police are quite able to do what must be done. I just think you'd be interested in having as many people as possible working to clear it up. Naturally, I want to see my father's killers brought to justice. But I don't think father would appreciate the importation of investigators from Hartford. Rollin, please. I came here primarily to investigate the death of the first Hartford man. I'm afraid you'll have to put up with me until I satisfy myself that there's no connection between your father and what that. What possible connection could there be? I don't know. There isn't any. And if I hear of you dragging the Blackburn name into a sordid murder in that part of town... I will personally thrash you to within an inch of your life. Rollins, I must insist. I think perhaps that if you left, Mr. Dollar and I could conclude this meeting much more rapidly. Don't you have an appointment someplace? Don't you forget what I said, Dollar. I won't. Oh, I must apologize, Mr. Dollar. You don't have to. The loss of his father has been a great shock to him. And I must say, that other young man who was here, as pleasant as he tried to be, did leave us with the impression that he suspected us. One doesn't say things like that about the Blackburns. It is an extremely proud and moral family. I understand. I don't want you to think that I... Now, Mr. Dollar, what do you want me to do? Well, I think you've probably been asked these questions by Mr. Reimer, but if you'll bear with me... Of course. Ah... Were you here the night your husband died? Yes. I was in the other wing where our bedrooms are. Rollin was there, too. But he came down to the kitchen. That's through there. And found poor Leland. Neither of you heard anything? No. I had my radio on, I remember. But even so, it is quite a big house. It's a beautiful house. Miss Blackburn, do you have any idea who could have done this thing? Any enemies of your husband's? I knew of nobody who disliked Leland. He was a charitable, honest man. And a pious one. I'm sorry, Mrs. Blackburn. I won't bother you any longer. My only hope is that I may join him soon. 
Sam. This is Dollar, Lieutenant. Oh, yeah. What have you been up to? I went out to see the Blackburns. How did you reconstruct the killing out there? Well, like I said, he still had the bone in his hand. He'd been hit a number of times with some blunt instrument. Anything to make you think there was more than one killer? No. Wounds were all on the right side of the head. Struck from behind by a right-handed man. Why? For the son. He was a little agitated at my being there. He said killers. What's that? He said he wanted to see his father's killers brought to justice. Plural. What would make him say a thing like that? I don't know. Well, as it stands, it's not worth anything as evidence, but I thought I'd tell you. To me, at that moment, it meant there was a possibility that Roland Blackburn knew more than he was saying. I spent another two hours trying to find something to strengthen that possibility, the financial condition of both the family and their brokerage firm. I got no place with it, but I returned to my hotel with the feeling that that one slip was going to develop into the link to connect Gene's death with the Blackburn investigation. The feeling lasted only a few seconds after I met the man who was waiting for me outside my room. Mr. Dollar, I'm Hal Brand. Oh, yeah? I'm the hotel detective here. Oh. I think I'd better talk to you. What about? The woman down in 413, Mrs. Reimer. How'd you find out about me? I've been keeping my eye on her. I saw you go to see her and checked on you. I had an idea that insurance company would send somebody else. Why have you been watching her? Her husband paid me to. I guess there was something wrong between them. Yeah. A man showed up to see her the day the husband was killed. I didn't get a chance to tell him, but I thought I ought to tell you. Who is he? Richard is his name. George. He's in the Clemens Hotel up the street. He checked in from Hartford, too. in the room, Brian. I want to hear the rest of it. Sure. There isn't much more. This Richard showed up at the Rhymer room about one in the afternoon. Rhymer was out, so I didn't get to him. And then he was shot that night about ten. Maybe it don't mean anything. You know where Richard's is now? He checked out this afternoon and took the 540 plane to New York. Let me pour you a drink, Brian? Sure. You know, a man's a fool to marry a woman as beautiful as that. It always means trouble. That's my personal opinion, anyway. My wife's as ugly as sin. That's as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Have you told this to the police, Brian? Not yet. Why not? Oh, I figure a couple of days won't make any difference. If the police don't come up with something else, but then I'll tell them. You've talked to her. What do you think? I don't know, but I'm going down to see her. Wouldn't be very smart, would it? Maybe not. That's the way I have to play it. Help yourself to another drink, Brian, and... And thanks. I've got to see you. Uh, sure, Johnny. Come in. What's the matter? Why'd you lie to me last night? I, I didn't. I, I don't understand. George Richards. Why didn't you tell me he was here? How did you find out? He was seen coming to this room. Why didn't you tell me? I was afraid to. Yeah, that I believe. I put myself out on a limb for you today because I thought there was a chance you wouldn't lie to me. I withheld information. They want a motive for Gene's murder, and I didn't mention you. I didn't kill him. That doesn't mean anything now that there's Richards. I didn't know he was here until I opened that door. He stayed here ten minutes, and I made him leave. I told him to go back home or there'd be real trouble. He didn't leave until this afternoon. 
didn't know that. Johnny, I, I know I should have told you last night. I've always trusted you, but I knew how bad the situation would look, and I, I just prayed that nobody would know George was here. You weren't covering up for him? No. I didn't know, Johnny. I, I didn't know he was still here. Quit it. Quit it, will you? Come on, sit down. Get a hold of yourself. Look, I want to believe you, Barbara. You know that. But it doesn't make any difference now whether I do or not. The police are going to learn about Richards. Are you going to tell them? I imagine they'll tell me. But I can't hold back anymore. And with the answers I'll have to give them, they can probably indict you for murder, or at least accessory with Richards. I didn't kill him. I, I don't know anything about stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I don't need hysterics. I need proof. How can you prove to me that you knew nothing about it? I don't know. Would Richards have done it alone? No. How can you prove that? It's a thing I know. I can't use things you know. I need people and statements. People who will swear that they saw you at the time Gene Reimer was killed. People who will swear they saw Richards. It was nine o'clock. I was here. I can check that. That's all I know. Johnny, stop. Please stop. I can't stand anymore. Oh. All right, Angel. I'll stop. <laughs> I tried to find an alibi for George Richards that night, but a stranger in a city the size of Charleston is hard to nail down. I went to the Clemens Hotel and questioned bellboys, clerks, maids, and bartenders, but those who remembered him hadn't seen him during the evening in question. And I tried cab drivers with no better success. It was after midnight when I went to bed and nine the next morning when I was awakened by a summons from the police, accompanied by official transportation. chat with the hotel detective where you're stopping. Oh, I'm not surprised, Lieutenant. What's the matter with you, son? You put yourself in a pretty darn serious position by holding back information from me. Why'd you do it? I'm not sure. You admitted knowing that Gene Reimer. Why didn't you tell me then that you, you knew about trouble between him and his wife? Well, I wanted to check the other angles first, the Blackburn investigation. How bad was this trouble? Pretty bad. Reimer had a mean streak that didn't show except to his closest friends and intimates. You'd say uh, he did her bodily harm? Yep, lots of it. How'd you find out? From her. How well did you know her? I knew her before they were married. In love with her by any chance? If I had been, I would have married her. I know what you're driving at, Lieutenant. The possibility that, that I came down here to protect her from a murder charge. Well, that's half true. What's that? She's been my friend. I didn't want to see her pulled in if she wasn't mixed up in it. You don't think she was? I'll have to leave that for you. I know she had a motive, and to make it better, a possible accomplice turns up. But so far, it's all circumstantial. And yeah, we put a searcher out on this man, Richards. That's how good them circumstances look to us. Sure. And I'll bet I can reconstruct your reconstruction. A phony tip to rhyme on how to crack the Blackburn thing, an appointment on Magazine Street, and the payoff. Huh? You break that down? No, I tried. Barbara has an alibi, but Richards hasn't. Well, i got to have somebody for that killing dollar. I'm going to bring her in. I'm surprised you haven't already. I want to talk to you first. I want you to stay here while I talk to her. Why? Why, you think she'll break down because of me? What's the matter with that board? I'll be right back. i got to go get a man to pick her up. Mm. 
What are you doing? Contemplating suicide. Where's Lieutenant Sims? Just went out the other door. I'll be right back. Hey, you finally got the autopsy report on old man Blackburn. You sound as if you really didn't believe he was dead. Oh, no, he's dead all right. What is it, Sergeant? The Blackburn autopsy report. Yeah, look here. Hmm? Well, I'll be... Narcotics user. The press has been waiting for this, Lieutenant. And they've got a right to it. No, wait. Uh, don't give it to them yet. This has been pretty hard on that family. Hold on to it. No use dragging them through any more mud. At least till the federal men go to work on it. All right, sir. She'll be here in a few minutes, Dollar. So relax. I got to run through a few reports while we wait. It was hardly the time for relaxation, but I tried. We sat through an hour of questions to which there was no provable answers. And at the end of it, Barbara Reimer was booked on suspicion of murder, and I was released on bail, charged with suspicion of being accessory after the fact. I had only one place to go. Good afternoon, Mrs. Blackburn. Good afternoon. Hi, Mr. Dollar. You remember me? Of course I do. I wasn't expecting you. I'm sorry I didn't have time to phone. May I come in? Yes. Your son at home? No, he's at the office. What is it, Mr. Dollar? A girl has been arrested because the police think she killed Mr. Reimer, the other man from Hartford. Oh, I didn't know. I don't think she did it. I don't think I understand, Mr. Dollar. Why have you come here? Because I think you know she didn't do it, Mrs. Blackburn. Mr. Dollar. Could we sit down someplace? Yes. In the drawing room. Now... If you please, sir, what is the meaning of this? Why did you refuse to allow an autopsy to be performed on your husband? Because I believe it to be a revolting and savage practice. A mental torture that no one has the right to ask the survivors to experience. I will not condone it. Usually laws are stronger than human feelings. Do you know that one had been performed? I refused. Oh, Roland told me there was nothing to fear. He was wrong. I will not condone it. It's a matter of official record now, Mrs. Blackburn. The report says your husband was a narcotics user. He was not. He was. Your son knew it, and I think you did. I shall have to ask you to leave, Mr. Dollar. Please, Mrs. Blackburn, that wouldn't do any good. When I was here before, maybe you remember, your son said something he didn't intend to say. He told me that more than one man killed your husband. He said killers. He was upset. Both murders had something to do with the narcotics your husband used, didn't they? No. The police haven't been able to find a link between the Blackburn name and the magazine street section. The narcotics made that link, isn't that right? No. Gene Reimer must have found out. He was killed. Now a woman is charged with a murder she had nothing to do with. What else do you want? Oh, we thought we were doing the right thing. Why did you think that? We hope to save Leland. That shame. And Rollin, his son, and his widow. Jean Rhyme, I must have learned from you. No. No one was to be told. Mr. Rhyme discovered it himself. When he faced us, we begged him to say nothing. But when he threatened us, we told him their names. The names of the people who supplied your husband? Yes. And made a hell of our lives. They've extorted money from us for almost ten years. We, of the inviolate family. They killed your husband. They came that night to force him to buy more. And when he refused and 
tried to telephone the police. They killed him. I want you to tell me who these people are. We told Mr. Rama. And, and he... I won't go alone. It will be finished then. This farce we live. It would be finished anyway. Oh, yes. We go no further. There are two. One is named Miller. The other, Stone. Where do I find him? You won't go alone. We've caused one death. I'll be all right. All right. I'll tell you where to find them. I hadn't planned to go alone, but on the way, I began to wonder if the time I spent interesting the police wouldn't be used by Mrs. Blackburn to warn the two men whose capture would put the finish to the family reputation. So I didn't contact Lieutenant Sims. Instead, I stopped by my hotel to pick up an automatic and cab to the Magazine Street address by myself. I'd take it easy up there if I was you. Thanks, I will. Here you are. Thanks, Who are you? Miller. What's the idea of pushing in? I just came from the Blackburn place. Where? The old lady is tired of trying to save the family pride. She talked again. What? What other reason would I have for being here? She's ready to talk to the police about her husband. I'm ready to talk to you about Gene Reimer. I don't get it. You'd better start. Come on. Where? Out the door. We'll find our way. Now, listen to me. You can't pull a man around like this without saying why I haven't done nothing. Then why argue? All right, I'll go. Miller, get away from me. Find Stone, Mike. I gotta talk to Stone. He did get a chance to talk to Stone, but not before Lieutenant Sims heard him out and added his statement and out of the surviving Blackburns, which cleared Barbara Reimer and yours truly. Expense account item three, $110, miscellaneous expenses in Charleston. Item four, same as item two, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total. Oh, excuse me. Yeah? Hello, Johnny. Oh. Hi, Barbara. I thought you were coming over. It's after four. Uh, well, as a, as a matter of fact, I was just going to phone. I, I can't make it. What's the matter, Johnny? I've got another case. What's the matter, Johnny? I, I have to earn a living. All right. You know where to find me if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try to call you when I get back to town, okay? Goodbye. Uh, expense count total, $345.75. Remarks? This was a fairly personal assignment, and it brings to mind a fairly personal observation. Cops, private or otherwise, should never marry. They're lousy husbands because they're away from home so much. But more important, they leave too many widows. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) 
Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dodd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien's latest picture is the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were John Daner, Jim Nusser, Jeanette Nolan, Georgia Ellis, John McIntyre, and Larry Dobkin. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dan Coverley inviting you to join us next week at this time when Edmund O'Brien returns as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You can sing it again on CBS tonight for a whole hour of fun-packed, music-packed entertainment. And maybe Dan Seymour will be calling you to solve one of the tuneful little riddle songs that lead to a chance at radio's largest cash jackpot. $5,000, plus 10000 more in wonderful prices. Alan Dale, Judy Lynn, Bob Howard, the Riddlers, and Ray Block's Orchestra are on hand to sing and play the riddle tunes leading up to Dan Seymour's Coast to Coast Calls. Be listening again later tonight when Sing It Again comes along on most of these same CBS stations. Now stay tuned for Von Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where you laugh with Lucille Ball and my favorite husband on Saturday nights, the Columbia Broadcasting System. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Bob Redden, Johnny. Oh, yeah, Bob. What's this? You checking to see if I'm stalling on your case? Oh, nothing like that, Johnny. Well, in a way, I am. I traced one of the beneficiaries to Chicago, and I've been waiting all morning for a wire on it. We want you to drop the case. What? You capitulating? This is a bad week for Great Eastern. We want you to take another one. We carry a theft policy on a West Coast loan company. Three of the branches in San Francisco were just robbed. Uh Uh-oh. When? Uh, Just a matter of hours ago. You mean all of them? Yeah, all this morning. There was one other that wasn't ours. I got a phone call. I haven't even figured the loss yet, but it'll be way up. We'd like you to get right on it. Sure, Bob. I'll get a plane this evening. Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Great Eastern Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Porter Cole matter. Expense account item one, $180 airfare and incidentals between Hartford and San Francisco, California. At 11, after I'd found a hotel room and breakfast, I cabbed to police headquarters where I was shown to robbery detail in the office of a harried Lieutenant Clark. I'm not making excuses. They put us off balance, that's all. We got the call from the place on Market Street at 9.15 yesterday morning, just a few minutes after they'd opened. While we were down there, the call came in from the Mission District. Same loan company, different branch. Then, not 40 minutes later, the other company was here. Mm, quite an operation. They hit the fourth one at five minutes of 11. Huh? I tell you, we had more officers on the streets than there were civilians. There hasn't been as much confusion since the quake and fire of 1906. And look here. This is your list of witnesses? Yeah. You can see only about 35 out of the 53 names were employees of these loan companies. They're the ones we're sure saw this bunch. What do they give you? You know how it goes. You have to make a sort of composite of the statements. Seems this bunch would come in, from eight to ten of them all armed. Two would take care of any customers that happened to be in the waiting room, kick them to the floor face down, and... Arrested, cover the office for us and knock over the cashier. What kind of disguises? Well, some say none. Others think they saw makeup, stage makeup, you know, lines and the stuff to change the shape of the nose and so on. I'll go along with that. Yeah, that'd be some kind of disguise. What I got on the rest of their physical descriptions doesn't exactly hurt, but it doesn't help any either. Not even ages? What about voices? Only one did the talking in a high voice. Uh, falsetto, not a woman. Pretty well-planned job, wasn't it? Four in the space of two hours for $47,000? I'd say it was well planned. No prints, nobody spotted any cars, but they must have used at least two, probably with a driver for each. What did the rest of these witnesses see? Oh, some of them are cranks. Some of them claim they saw the bunch come out of the buildings but didn't think anything about it until the news began to break on the robberies and so on. You know witnesses. Hmm, beginning to wish they'd send another boy from Hartford. I wish I'd stayed in homicide. With a killing, you've at least got a stiff to work from. Yes? No, I don't want to talk to him. Tell him I'm grilling a hot suspect in Daly City. What a comedian. Who's that? The manager of that outfit you're interested in. Wants to know if I'm doing anything. The Porter Call Loan Company. That's a great name. Do you know what their motto is? Yeah, I saw it. When financial seas are troubled, make us your port of call. Now tell me, what self-respecting grifter could pass up an invitation like that? San Francisco is a city of bridges with few other exits. All of these have been covered in less than an hour after the first robbery report had been phoned in. To double-check, the adjoining counties had been alerted and were swarming with men. San Francisco itself was being combed for known criminals. That left little for me to do but hang around robbery detail and wait for developments. Lieutenant Clark had been on the phone for half the afternoon, and I was in his office at five when it rang again. Yes? Oh, how are you, Bruce? Well, I could use something. What is it? How would that fit? Oh. Good, I do. Well, thanks a lot, Bruce. Well, it'll be a change of scenery anyway. Something up? That was missing persons. A woman reported her husband missing since sometime yesterday. It's a cab driver. 
That's a possibility, isn't it? I never gave it a thought. Why is it you always connect private cars to jobs like this? Well, it's natural to pass up cabs. They're usually a close check kept on. Well, we'll see. She's on her way down. I'd like to have you see her, too. Yeah, sure. Lieutenant Clark, I've gotten her report and told her you wanted to talk to her. Oh, good, thanks, Bruce. What do you want to talk to me for? Joe hasn't done nothing wrong, has he? Not that we know of, Mrs. Guy. He wouldn't do nothing wrong. He never has. Who are you? I'm not a policeman, if that's what you mean, Mrs. Guy. What are you doing here? I don't understand this. Well, I'm interested in another case that Lieutenant Clark is working on. Do you think something happened to your husband? That he had an accident in his cab? Something like that? He didn't have an accident. His company would have known. What company's that? Peerless. It's a new one. Didn't they know he was missing? How would they know? Doesn't he check his cab in with the company? No, it don't work that way. He owes his old cab. Just an agreement about money and gas and a license, and then I don't understand it because Joe never talks about business. Why are you asking me these questions? Don't you read the papers, Mrs. Guy? No, I don't have time with three kids and a rumor to take care of. What if I did read them? Does it say they found Joe dead someplace? Nothing like that, Mrs. Guy. I'm sorry I mentioned it. What do they say? I got a right to know. I'll buy a paper for the streetcar on the way home anyway. There were four robberies yesterday, big ones. None of the witnesses saw the cars the men got away in. Maybe they wouldn't notice a taxi. Are you saying you think Joe was in on it? Not necessarily, no. Police have to ask questions like that, Mrs. Guy. He wouldn't do nothing wrong like that. Even if he did, I'd know about it. And do you think I'd come down here like this? Of course not. Doesn't your husband ever stay away from home this long? No, not without calling me from someplace. That's why I got to worry, and I never called at all yesterday. What time did you leave yesterday morning? I told the other cop that. Why don't you tell us? It was right before 8. I think Mrs. Guy can go now, don't you, Mr. Dollar? I think she should. Go home and don't worry, Mrs. Guy. We'll find your husband. He's got to come back. I don't know how I'll manage with the kids if he don't. We'll find them. You know the way out, don't you? Yeah, this way? That's right. Then uh, down the corridor. What do you think? I don't know. That's why I had to try the robberies out on her. She could have been here to put the finger on the husband who double-crossed her. She seemed to be sure he hadn't had an accident. Yeah, that's right. There must be a reason all those witnesses didn't see a private car. That figures, too. I'll put a tail on her right now. A phone call to the Peerless Cab Company got the number and description of Joe Guy's cab, and a police tracer was put out on that. I think the harried lieutenant beamed a little too graciously when I asked permission to check the other Peerless drivers myself. But I did, 75 of them. Only one hadn't been heard from in the past 28 or 9 hours. Paul Landini, with an address on Turk Street, an apartment house whose manager boarded some of the tenants, among them Landini about Paul ever. He wasn't here for the meal last night, but what is that? He live alone here? Yes. I take it you mean he was often away from home at dinner time. He was had personality. He often goes someplace else to eat. Do you know if he came home at all last night? My tenants live their own lives. I don't run a girl's school here. Mm. Would you show me his apartment? Why should I? I told you it might be very important. You didn't tell me what you mean. He might even be dead. Oh, not Paul. Why do you want to look in his apartment? I don't expect to find him there, but there's a chance of finding something else. What? I don't know. I told you this was police business. You want to cooperate or don't you? Oh, sure I do. I'll take you up. (laughs) 
find even a trace of a lead in Landini's apartment. Lieutenant Clark, when I talked to him, had the same report to make on his tale of Mrs. Joe Gaia. By then, it was time to have a late dinner and go to bed, which is what I did. The next morning, the two missing drivers and their cabs still had not been found. A police report on Mrs. Gaia hadn't offered anything. The $47,000 in stolen funds could have been that many miles away from San Francisco. Through the morning and early afternoon, a dozen general suspects were questioned and released. And then, sometime after three, the body of a man was found floating in a slough in the upper reaches of the bay. He fitted the description of Joe Gaia, and an hour or so later, his wife arrived to make identification. Gaia, could you swear that this body is that of your husband, Joseph Geyer? No. No, it's not Joe. Mrs. Geyer, he fits your description of your husband. Who cares? It's not Joe. You sure you aren't holding anything back from us? Yeah, I'm sure it's not Joe. I'd know my own husband, wouldn't I? Yes, you would, Mrs. Geyer. My husband was dead and this was him. I'd tell you, wouldn't I? I hope so. I think you would. Why wouldn't I? It's not Joe. I don't know who it is. I never saw him in my whole life and I can prove it. I swear it, I never saw this man in my whole life. We will return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. There's one married couple you can always depend on for fun on Saturday evenings, and to invite them over is as easy as staying tuned to CBS. They're Lucille Ball and that man she calls my favorite husband. And a nice thing about them is you don't have to get involved in the strange predicaments they get into. All you have to do is sit back and laugh at the results. How's for asking them in this evening? Lucille Ball and my favorite husband will be waiting on most of these same CBS stations. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Gaia was released not because we believed in her lack of identification, but because we thought there were better ways to approach her than hard police questioning. I arrived at her small frame house not long after she had. What do you want? I thought I'd better come and see you. You can't come in. I want to help you if I can. I need any help from you. I don't need any. Go away. Wait a minute. Get your foot out. you got no right to do this. Now, wait a minute. There are other ways to identify that body. Then you'll be in trouble, won't you? I don't care. It wasn't Joe. Open the door, Mrs. Geyer. You can't come in. Why did you get so upset if it wasn't your husband? You cried. I couldn't help it. I never saw a dead body before. I went to pieces thinking, what if it had been Joe? You know, the police think you're lying. I am not. Why should I? Joe hasn't done nothing wrong, and I haven't needed Now go away and leave me alone. I got ironing to do. Because when you've been in that business as 
long as I have. You learn to study people. Now that's fine. Uh, this is Mr. Dollar, the man I mentioned from the insurance company. Oh, yes. Well, how do you do, sir? This is Mr. Prince, the cashier at the Portacol office in the mission. No. Oh, it's nice to know you, Mr. Prince. Well, thank you. He looked at that body, and he seems to be fairly sure that it's the one who did the talking during the robbery at his place. I'm sure it is. Oh, I hope you're right. Oh, of course. He did look different with that makeup, his nose and his cheekbones. Yeah, but you're still sure? Yes, I am. I've been with the Porter Call for almost ten years. And as I was telling Lieutenant Clark, when you've been in the loan business as long as that, you learn to study people. I suppose you would. You meet so many, and while they're talking about the loan they want, you sort of unconsciously study them to try and find out how much truth they're telling. But, oh, I remember that man. They'll make up or no, yes. What in particular do you remember? Oh, a lot of things. He walked right up to me, you know. I remember his eyes and his ears, and I remember his hands. They were manicured. And he wore a ring on his third finger left. This polish on the nail's all right. He didn't have a ring on his butt in, but there's the mark of one and its third finger left. I wish there were more witnesses like you. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for coming down, Mr. Prince. Well, that's quite all right. And I hope we don't have to trouble you again. Well, there's no trouble at all, Lieutenant. I'll be glad to be of service to you. Good day. Good day, Mr. Mr. Prince. Well, it looks like we've got that much anyway, Dollar. Run quite a few of the loan company people past the body, and almost half thought he was the one, the falsetto. Well, that's something, but dead men don't answer many questions. I've noticed that. I understand Mrs. Geyer didn't answer many either. Well, how did you... Oh. Well, you still got men on it, huh? Yeah. I haven't been able to spare any relief, so that pair I assigned yesterday's been on the plant day and night. Hmm. <laughs> so when somebody finally showed up, they thought they'd broken the case. I didn't know you. She wouldn't let me in, and she didn't change her story. We'll check it. We've got a man from the cab company coming down. Lieutenant. Lieutenant, didn't she say that she had a rumor yesterday? Remember, she asked if she'd read the paper, and she I said guess she... by that time I'd asked a few thousand questions. She did. She said she didn't have time to read the paper with three kids and a rumor to take care of. I think I remember that. Well, that's something we should check. Your men say that outside of me, nobody has shown up at her house, huh? Even staying out last night, you'd think this room would come back sometime for clothes or for something. We'll try it. Bruce, send two plainclothesmen out to the Geyer home on 4th Avenue and talk to the neighbors on each side. I need somebody who knows the Geyer's room by sight. I want them to look at a body. She's home. Which one is it? One with the porch light. Sure turning into a nice night. Yeah. Ten o'clock? Huh? Oh, Pritchard. What are you doing out here, sir? I'm going to talk to the woman. No, for me, relief? I'll have a relief out here in an hour. Nine o'clock. That's a promise. I'm sorry about the rain. Yes, I'm afraid you'll have to let us in this time, Mrs. Guy. What are you talking about? This is a warrant. We're here legally. I want you to tell me the truth. When did you last see the man who rooms here? I don't know. I don't remember. That isn't the truth. You saw him this afternoon. You saw him at the morgue and you didn't tell us who he was. Why not? Don't you wake up my kids. Answer my questions, Mrs. Guy. I was afraid to tell you. Why were you afraid? Because with Joe gone like this, I thought something happened. I know I should have told you, but I couldn't. He's my husband. What were you afraid had happened? Joe and me argued sometimes about Mr. Grace. Grace? What's his first name? 
I thought you knew about him. The neighbors identified his body, but they couldn't remember his name. His name was Ted Grace. Your husband was jealous of Grace, Mrs. Geyer? Well, we argued sometimes. He was a salesman, and some weeks he'd have a lot of money, and I told Joe he ought to sell his cab and be a salesman, too. He got the wrong idea and thought I was falling for Mr. Grace. I wasn't. And I couldn't ever make him believe me all the way. Why did he let Grace live here if he felt that way? needed the money. Do you think your husband killed Grace? I don't know. I'm afraid to tell you I knew Mr. Grace for fear he did. That's what happened. He didn't kill him out of jealousy. Grace was mixed up in those robberies I told you about. Do you remember? I got the newspapers. That's what we're here to clear up. We want you to tell us everything you know about Grace. I never talked to him much. How do you know he was mixed up in it? You'll have to take our word for that. Come on, you must know something about him. How long has he been living here? About six months. You know where he came from? He never said. He must have had some friends. Didn't anybody come to see him? No. You have a telephone. Did anybody ever phone him? Yeah, a man used to call him. The same one all the time? Yes. He must have given you his name sometimes. No, he didn't. Did he ever call while Ted Grace was gone? Yeah, once in a while. What then? Didn't Grace leave a number or someplace where he could be reached? Usually a place called a furlong over on Fulton. Why didn't you tell us that? Why do we have to drag these things out of you? What else are you holding back from us? Nothing. I just can't think. I just can't think of anything, but where's Joe and why don't he come back? Wasn't there anything different the morning he left? No, nothing. Was Grace here at that time? He left, too. About the same time? Right after. Joe's mixed up in those robberies. It's my fault because I talk so much about money. Well, he can hate me for that, but what about the kids? He can't leave them for me to take care of alone, can he? We better take a look at Grace's room, don't you think, Lieutenant? Uh, which one is it, Mrs. Geyer? Ted Grace's effects told a lot more about him than his landlady had. A drawer full of racing forms made it appear that the man who phoned had probably been his bookie. The colors of Ted Grace's ties and shirts, an array of cheap men's toiletries, painted a pretty good picture of the character he'd been. But the contents of the waste paper basket made him out the mastermind of the whole series of robberies. Shredded paper. We didn't try to assemble all the pieces there, but we fished through enough to learn they'd been applications for loans from the victim companies. Made out while he cased the offices. Look at the blank side. Yeah, the floor plans drawn out. Hey, look here, a name, Tony. Positions, movements were marked down, too. Here's another name, Mark. Yeah. Let's not waste any more time here. I'll take them down to headquarters, get somebody to paste them up. Yeah, I guess we've covered the place all right. Pretty obvious he expected to come back here, though. Yeah, now I have a feeling the rest of them might still be in the city. Me, too. I think that might have been the plan. We're going now? Yeah, we're going. Unless you have something more to tell us. I don't know any more to tell you. All this big mess, and I don't understand any of it. I don't know what it's all about. Well, we're sorry it happened. I hope it'll turn out all right for you. Good night, Mr. Guy. Good night. Lieutenant Clark. Yes, Pritchard. The radio car stopped by with a message for you. But I didn't want to come in with a woman there. Her husband's dead. So's the other driver, Landini. Where were they found? In their cabs in the vacant garage out toward the beach. Who's on it? Lieutenant McMillan. All right, I'll contact him. And, and don't forget our release. I won't. Well, there goes Guyer and Landini. Elimination for more profit. That or cutting the links between the rest of the bunch and the only tangible things we've had, the cabs. That could be. If you want to drop me at that bar she mentioned, the furlong... I'll see what I can pick up there. Sure, if you want to. I'll stay in my office while I hear from you. Hello, 
Bring us a rye and soda. Oh, you must be an Easterner. I don't get many calls for rye except from you. Well, that's almost right. I transplanted myself out here. Say, I'm looking for a guy I think you know, Ted Grace. Has he been in tonight? Who? Ted Grace. I understand he's in here quite a bit. Uh, Why do I find that rye bottle? This all right? Yeah, it's fine. You see, I, I'm not the regular bartender. I don't know your friend uh, by name, anyway. Thanks. That's all right. Thanks. Uh, hey, uh, what about a couple of guys Ted knows, then? One named Mark, uh, the other's Tony something. No, I guess I can't help you. I usually work a place down on Gary. I don't know this one very well. Well, it's not important. I look around, maybe come back. See you later. Yeah. Good night. Hey, Tony. Send off another scotch and soda, will you? Hey, Tony, over here's me. It was hard not to turn around or at least stop moving, but I managed to walk out as if I hadn't heard, turn down the sidewalk for a count of five, and then back to the window. Tony was forgetting his customers. He was heading towards the rear of the room. When he got there, he disappeared into a phone booth. I've heard that a lot of cases are broken through a stroke of luck, but it very seldom happens to me. My own phone call from a gas station brought Lieutenant Clark and an extra squad car to the Furlong Bar in less than 20 minutes. The place was cleared of people and Tony stood alone behind the bar, giving away his guilt by his expression and the apron he kept twisting in his hand. Leave your apron alone. What is all this? What did you phone right after I left? Home to say I'd be late. That's not true. The call was traced. You're crazy. How could you trace it? If you were calling home, why should you care if it was traced or not? Now, who did you call? I can make a phone call if I want to, can I? That isn't the question. What makes you so nervous? You guys busting in like this. What do you expect? To find a guy named Tony. What's your last name, Tony? Cullen. That's what I came here for, too, Tony. When we found him... All we were going to do was ask him to tell us where he was the other morning while those loan company officers were being knocked over. And if he couldn't, we were going to see him booked for three killings. Ted Grace and Joe Geyer and Paul Landini. I don't know what you're talking about. You're bluffing, but you're bluffing the wrong guy. Mm, I'm glad to hear that. We wouldn't want to see an innocent man booked for something he didn't do. So let's clear it up. How do we start proving where you were between 9 and about 11 the other morning? Come on, where were you? I was home, asleep. And a lot of people must hate you. Bull. The people who said they saw you leave your place about 8 o'clock. Uh, what's the use? I don't know if you're bluffing or not. We aren't. In Grace's room, we found the floor plans of all those officers with the names of all of you. He talked to Joe Guy's wife. She knew about you and Mark. You just made a confession. Do you want to take the whole rap yourself? No. If I'd known there was going to be any killing, I wouldn't have got mixed up in it. When there was, I knew the whole thing would blow up. Who did the killing? There were three of them. Harvey Shute, Vic Lincoln, and Neil White. I'm not sure which one did. Who were they? I don't know. They got out of prison someplace in the East about six months ago. We met them and got running around with them. We'd been playing the horses, not doing so well. And they said if we got a big stake, they knew how to make a killing. That's the way it started. Who's we, Tony? My friends, Mark Rose and Leo Barrett. 
Ted Grace. Is that all? I'm giving you my friends. That's enough. What about Joe Geyer? No. No, they just call him to get his cab views instead of cars. He wasn't in it. That was Ted Grace's idea. I guess so. The smart guy. You were all pretty smart. What about Landini? He was called, too. I don't know what happened. They went crazy after we got the money. They were like different people that I didn't know. Could have killed all of us if we crossed them. Are they on narcotics? I don't know. I don't know much about that, but they could have been. Where are they? Might as well tell you, I guess. The whole thing is blown wide open. They're staying in the Metropolitan Auto Court out on Bayshore Highway. Which cabin? Second one on the right. Where's the money? We split it before we separated. You can have my share. I wish it would buy back the last few days. Come on, Tony. I'll send you down to the station. Two more squad cars had been added by the time we got started. No trouble was expected or had picking up the other two San Francisco men, Mark Rose and Leo Barrett. But at the Metropolitan Auto Court, where the three ex-convicts were staying, trouble was expected. Well, I think that's about the best we can do. Two exits. We've got both of them covered. The other people who might be staying here? Well, they'll be all right, even if there's firing. As long as we can keep these comedians inside, or at least just trying to get out. Well, it's your case. We'll have to try to it anyway. I'll go wake them up. This gale hasn't already. Now, don't be a hero. You in there. Open up. I'm a police officer. Lieutenant Clark! Lieutenant! I shot the lieutenant! Cover me on the door, Hudson! Watch the window! Get down, Sergeant! finished, one of them was alive, the other two and the cabin were ripped to pieces. But that and the recovery of the money hardly paid for the loss of Lieutenant Clark, who died before he reached the hospital. Expense account item two, $75.30, miscellaneous in San Francisco. Item three, same as item one, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total... Remarks? It probably isn't important, but as an odd commentary to this, the gunfight and Lieutenant Clark's death made only a column on page two of the morning paper. The storm he died in grabbed the page one headlines. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien's latest picture is a Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Howard McNear, Ed Begley, High Everback, Jim Nusser, Virginia Gregg, and Janet Scott. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dick Cutting, inviting you to join us next week at the same time when Edmund O'Brien returns as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
You can sing it again this evening on CBS, and if Dan Seymour calls you, maybe you can sing it out the name of the fabulous Phantom and win $5,000 in cold, hard cash, plus $10,000 more in fine prizes. Worth it? <laughs> you bet it is. For Sing It Again also brings you a whole hour of grand musical fun as you listen to Alan Dale, Judy Lynn, Bob Howard, the Riddlers, and Ray Block's Orchestra. Sing It Again comes to you every Saturday evening on most of these same CBS stations. Sing it again this evening, won't you? And now, stay tuned for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where everyone laughs at Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy every Sunday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.